1: Okay. I'm not going to try and start rapping for you. I'll just stick to podcasting on some really helpful hunting tips and knowledge and all that jazz. Well, today we have another turkey episode, and I should clarify that when I say today, I'm actually recording this on a Tuesday, which is out of my normal routine. And why am I off my normal routine? Well, it's kind of some cool news, I guess, or something cool that's coming up for me this week. My good friend, Lucas Fritch, who I mention on the show all the time, he and I are heading out to my grandfather's farm, and we're going to uh, help him uh, do his CRP burn-off that he has to do uh, per his uh, CRP contract that he has, and uh, we're heading out there uh, tomorrow after work. Had to take a day off work, help him get it done, weather was looking good, and uh, the deadline is quickly approaching as spring moves right along. And so we're going to do that and I'm hoping to get some good content from that to uh, share on the First Gen Hunter social media pages. So be keeping an eye out for that. A CRP burning weather eye out for that. How was that? Anyways. Uh, So today we are doing another turkey episode. We brought on Mr. Jesse Jeffley, who is from Southwest Wisconsin the driftless portion of Wisconsin. In my opinion, the most beautiful portion of Wisconsin. And uh, he has a uh, hunting channel that is titled Primitive Preacher and uh, focuses on two things that are really important to Jesse, which is primitive archery, not just the skill of shooting the old stick bow, but actually making his own bows, making his own arrows, making his own points, and fletching to go on those arrows and then going out and harvesting deer harvesting turkeys really really cool thing and he's got a youtube channel that shows how he makes all that stuff and uses it and uh, he also has a facebook page uh, that we'll uh, give a link to and he'll talk about later on in this interview Uh, but the other thing he's real passionate about is uh, sharing his faith and so uh, that's the that's the preacher part of the whole primitive preacher thing. But anyways, we brought him on to talk with us about hunting turkeys. And uh, in my opinion, now I haven't hunted them there, so my opinion is probably not worth much. But uh, just from like seeing on social media and hearing from other guys, um, I think Wisconsin could be the turkey state. You know, maybe Michigan would give them a real run for their money. I know there's a, a lot of great turkey hunting there. Of course, you got others, other uh are they subspecies or species? I should know some biology teacher. I'm not I'm not real up on my turkey biology, I'll be honest with you. I think they're technically uh subspecies. But um those exist in other places than those states, and so uh, you know, there's somebody could probably prove me wrong just based on that fact alone. But Nonetheless, Wisconsin is an excellent place to hunt turkey, so bringing a guy on from there naturally just a great fit for the show. So that's who we're going to talk to. And as I've said before, turkey hunting is not my forte. I am very, very, very woefully inexperienced when it comes to turkey hunting. I am a complete a complete greenhorn, and uh, so the tip of the day has to do with what do you do when you're a complete greenhorn and uh, you're wanting to hunt something new. Well, you know, I'm going to kind of appeal here to the people who have no hunting experience and probably don't even plan to have any hunting experience. I've said before, there's nothing wrong with that. If every single person were to hunt, we would quickly run out of game. So uh, that's not... (laughs) Although we may have this like elitism sometimes as hunters, uh, it's it's stupid to have that attitude because it just it mathematically would not work. People, it wouldn't work. Not everybody can hunt. Now everybody who wants to hunt, I hope they get into it. And I hope I hope they have that success, um, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. But for today's tip of the day, I'm actually thinking that these people who do not hunt and do not have any plans to hunt. Some of the, some of the time when I'm interacting with these people and they find out oh you're a hunter oh you haven't tagged an animal yet this year or you haven't you haven't done this you're having a hard time or whatever what about blah 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 I always see deer over here at point X or I always see turkeys down in this field and uh, what they don't maybe necessarily understand like one time <laughs> one time uh, my brother, myself and a friend of ours, we're hunting a late muzzleloader season, and uh, we were we had just uh, went and had lunch. And then we were going back for the evening sit, and this guy comes flying up on us in this truck. And he's like, first, you know, you are thinking like, oh, boy, what's going to be this confrontation here, you know? And then he's like, what are you guys doing? There's like 10 deer right down the road on the corner there. You guys got to go get those deer. I'm tired of hitting them with my truck. And we're like, oh, okay, uh, do you know who owns the land? And he's like, no. <laughs> and so the, the point was there was no way we could just go and shoot those deer. Obviously, that would be trespassing. It would be like unethical even and uh, just not sportsmanlike like at all. Uh, but my point is sometimes when people say that, you know, like, oh, yeah, I always see turkeys down in the field. They don't realize that there's like a whole process to go through to get permission to hunt there or, you know, make it happen. Right, but what you can do in that situation, other than try and beg and plead for permission to hunt there, is drive by those areas and just look at them. Just, just maybe even pull over onto the side of the road. You, you know, chances are, yeah, there probably will be some game there at least on occasion, and. Um, just start looking at the area. Okay, what does this place have? What do they have for a food source? What do they have for habitat? Uh, how close is water? Um, how how far is it from pressure? Do they seem to be affected by pressure here much at all from ag use or from traffic or just from people being uh, there all the time? And you'll start to piece together a puzzle that, yeah, you're probably not going to get to hunt that place, but you can take that puzzle that puzzle that you're piecing together and apply it to other places where either you may already have permission at and it may ha- hold some uh, uh, untapped potential you weren't aware of or it may give you an idea of uh, where to go knocking on doors and uh, put two and two together and try and get onto a piece that is just like the one that your co-worker Uh, told you they always see deer at, or they always see turkeys at, or whatever, right? So that's your tip of the day. Use what you see in those places, those places where you just seem to always see wildlife or other people tell you they always see wildlife. Take a look at them. Take mental note of all the stuff I just mentioned that goes into making that a special place for the, the wildlife and find a place of your own that's just like it all right well before we jump into this interview i want to remind you that i am doing a new partnership with camo fire one of my all-time favorite hunting gear brands uh it, and honestly more than just a brand it's a resource I'm, I'm not fooling when i say a huge percentage of my hunting gear has come from that in fact just this last week i picked up a new hang-on tree stand with a super comfortable uh uh, like woven seat on it for just over $50. And uh, I'm really excited to uh, get to hang it up. I'm actually heading to the farm where I want to hang it up here in a couple weeks, do a little turkey hunting. And I'm hoping that, you know, all things go well. <laughs> Maybe I'll be able to uh, bag one early in the morning and then get a little uh, work in uh, hanging up a tree stand we'll see right don't get it don't don't get ahead of my skis here but uh i i'm hoping that that can happen but i got that tree stand from camo fire it's a great way to get yourself set up but i've also uh, partnered with another company that uh, goes along with CamelFire, which is black Ovis. you'll want to check them out as well they have a little bit more of the higher end you know like major brands for uh, again really good prices um, Some excellent discounts there. And so you want to go there and stock up on some of the gear when you're ready to take the next step for maybe some higher end stuff, like for heading out west on a big week long uh, backcountry type of hunt where, you know, having the best quality gear is of utmost importance. That's a great place to get it for a very reasonable price. And everything's just like right there on that website to to put you in a one-stop shop type of situation. So make sure you check those things out, Camel Fire and Black Ovis. And the way you can help me out by checking them out is I include the links for both of them in the show notes. So when you uh, open up, like hit the little uh, see more button or whatever, when you uh, are looking at this episode, go down there and find the link, or you can go to my Instagram and my link tree in my bio, you'll find links for both camofire and black Ovis that you can use and that will help me out if you do that now it's time for me to shut up and let you get on to learn some more about turkey hunting learn some more about the primitive preacher jesse jeffley here on episode 52 of the first gen hunter podcast thanks so much for listening in I'm really starting to get excited, Brandon. I mean, I'm, I think I'm finally coming to the understanding for why people care so much about turkey hunting. You know, as mm. as a uh, new hunter, I, I just, you know, the last couple of years I'd see people just bug out on social media about, you know, it's almost time to hunt turkeys and all this, and it's like, you know, being the being the Iowa deer hunter here, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, turkeys they're cool, but yeah, not deer. Why are you so excited? You know, yeah, right. <laughs> what about right. what about shed hunting? You know, and yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I get it now. I think not because I've had the privilege yet of bagging my own gobbler. But Mm -hmm. after our conversation with Heath Rayfield and going Mm -hmm. back and re-listening to that and everything he described there, after seeing everybody posting their, like, self-filmed, you know, usually on, like, a, a cell phone, you know, they get, like, the strut video where they got their gobbler in at, you know, 15 yards and they're undetected yep. and they're, they're filming it. Or maybe I go over to the hunt fish life page and I hear someone recording turkey gobbles in the darkness. I yep. uh, <laughs> don't know who that would be <laughs> or, uh, or, um, you know, I, I, uh, saw those i sent you that video of like five or six gobblers in full yes. strut the other day on my way to work and you could hear him gobbling and i'd whistle at him and they'd do a shot gobble and man i i think i'm starting to get it i think i'm starting to get the bug for what makes people so crazy about these things
0: yeah yeah you're 100 percent right i mean it's it's one of those things too as you know like kind of like you said you know Someone who loves deer hunting is that's been kind of my primary, you know, thing that I've loved and I grew up doing a ton of small game hunting and really I grew up doing more of like the bird hunting, the small game hunting initially, which is what kind of got me into it. You know, we didn't really have a lot of land to hunt on growing up as a kid, so we hunted a lot of state land. and you know, you back in that day, you know, you saw deer kind of few and far between. So to fill in the gap, you know, we did rabbit hunting and squirrel hunting and dove hunting and all those types of things. And which is a great way to get kids into it, you know, for, for the first gen hunters out there, man, if you're, you know, if you're kind of getting into it new yourself, man, consider that as a way to get kids into it as well. But you know, growing up, you never here in Delaware, you never saw turkey, you know, in the woods growing up. You know, they, they sure. reintroduced them in the, in the 90s. Um, and, and honestly, I can truly say that this year has been the first year for myself individually that I've really taken a, a, more of an active interest in learning a lot more. You know, we kind of had mm. we had what I would call some easy success, you know, over the last five or six years in turkey hunting in in the sense of, you know, and, and we'll get into it a little bit tonight, I'm sure. But, you know, you get out there and early on, we really didn't know what we were doing. You know, you, 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 you look, you read a little bit, you know, you get a few decoys, you get a, you know, a box call and, you know, you get out there and maybe you're, you're blessed and lucky enough to get a lone gobbler gobbling at you. He's not hend up, he's on the roost and he's just gobbling up a storm. And, you know, when he comes down, you, 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 you just, you, you yelp at him a little bit. And I mean, he's coming in and, you know, we had a couple of those situations. It's early on and it's and and early on we were thinking man this is pretty easy <laughs> you know you, you, have a, you have a couple situation where you get birds birds in you get some man you get some nice gobblers and it's, it was funny i was talking to a friend uh the, the other day and i said man now that i feel like i know a little bit about uh gobblers i feel like man now i now, when i didn't know anything we could get the birds to come in now that i know a little something i can't get the birds to come in <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny how, you know, sometimes as a beginner, you know, you, you go out there and, you you, you know, it, this is true in a lot of things, you know, some, it is very easy to overthink things, you know, yes. and so... It's, it's this why It's really cool to bring guys on. that really know what they're doing and, you know, helps you just refine the knowledge that you really need to have to be successful because, you know, and that's really what it's all about. It's about helping each other out because a lot of times you can do a lot of this research your own and you're figuring things out and you're, you know, trial and error. And that's a great part of the learning process. But man, if you can, if you can get connected with some people that really know what they're doing and they can give you the pointers that you really need to know to be successful, man, it, you're just going to have that much more success and you're going to trim down that time that it takes to master some of these things. So we're, we're excited about
1: tonight man what a what a perfect transition again so eloquently spoken by our uh resident veteran here and you know brandon <laughs> we're, we're coming up on a year that we've been running this podcast and um yeah you know a year ago you were our 30-year vet now you're a 31-year sure. vet man uh, all that extra here, water you, under the bridge <laughs> <laughs> The gray hair is coming in thick, let me tell you. <laughs> oh man, you aren't fooling for, for me. This last year, I've just been noticing so many gray hairs on the on the sides of, you know, I'm getting like some yes. true white walls going on uh, the sides of my dome. So uh, <laughs> I I I feel you there, man. But uh no, that's a perfect transition because this is our second turkey episode, and I actually have kind of a third turkey episode in the works i'm planning it out i'm trying to to work with a a guy who's been on the show before but has a super busy schedule and uh man just a guy who who's just chock full of knowledge about not just hunting but but conservation and and land use and stuff like that that would be mr chase burns uh with dogwood land management and uh we're gonna try and get him on and talk a little bit about how to manage a property to support turkeys Mm -hmm. but uh The second episode, so we've already had back in episode 50, uh, Mr. Heath Rayfield on, which by the way, if you follow Heath on social media, I think you'll probably start to realize that if the day ends in a Y, you know, so the last Mm -hmm. letter in every day of the week, (laughs) if if it ends in a Y... He's killing a turkey that day or being a part of it. He's guiding somebody. I can't tell yeah. you how many turkeys I have seen on social media from Heath <laughs> since we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's just, it's insane. But, but yeah. I bet he's well over, I don't know, he's got to be pushing 25 birds. And again, not that yeah. he's killed himself. He, he's mm-hmm, a hunting guy. Mm-hmm. But, but, yep. uh, man, we, what, what, a, what a resource. But, I I knew of this other guy and I've been trying to think of when I've been, uh, when I could work him into the interview and that time is tonight. And we're talking about a man known as the primitive preacher, Mr. Mm -hmm. Jesse Jeffley from, uh, Jesse, are you from Southwest Wisconsin or West central Wisconsin?
2: I am from, uh, Southwest Wisconsin, actually, uh, Vernon County.
1: Okay. You know, I the reason I knew it was the western part of Wisconsin, and I always try to get little digs in on on Wisconsin being a being an Iowa and Illinois person. You know, we you always beat us in football and and uh, basketball, so we got to get our digs in where we can. But uh, I, I know I know you're from southwest Wisconsin because it is absolutely. Beautiful scenery in everything that you post, oh, yeah. and I always say that you know if you go east from there towards Milwaukee, it just gets super boring but uh southwest <laughs> and again, that's somebody coming from Iowa, so I know corn corn yeah. and hills corn and hills but uh but now uh southwest southwest Wisconsin, I have some family up that way it is god's country i mean it is it is a beautiful area, I think that's technically the driftless area, right.
2: Yeah, yep, we're part of the driftless area.
1: We got a yeah.
2: lot of the rolling hills here and and uh man, I love it. It's it's beautiful, especially this time of year.
1: Yeah, sure is, sure is. Yeah, we have just a little sliver of the driftless area here in Iowa, up in northeast Iowa. That's one of my favorite places to go. Great trout fishing and great scenery. Also a lot of great deer, which I'm I'm from seeing your social media activity, there's obviously some of those running around up in your neck of the woods too so yeah real oh, yeah. real underrated part of the country i would say up there in, mm. in uh, southwest mm-hmm. wisconsin but no uh, jesse he does a lot of deer hunting but he also does a lot of uh a lot of uh chasing gobblers and so uh i figured you know what we got a guy here who's really good at hunting really mm-hmm. good at turkey hunting he's from he's from what i would regard as probably I don't know, maybe the top Turkey hunting state probably just ticked off a whole bunch of people from the South when I said that, but, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, no man, Wisconsin. And I would say Michigan is probably, it's probably like a, a a coin flip there, but Wisconsin and Michigan just, you know, for my anecdotal evidence of following hunters on social media, it seems like a lot of birds, a lot of big birds. Out of just trophy toms, go down and in uh, those couple of northern uh, states there with uh, plenty of lakes and plenty of timber and and ag fields and just seems like kind of that right mixture. Would you agree with that, Jesse?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I mean I've you know I haven't hunted a lot and I have never hunted out of out of Wisconsin, but I mean it's there's a lot of birds here and a lot of big birds and. Uh, I, if I could think of, if I could count the number of times I've seen a, a big old Tom with his beard, just dragging on the ground, you know, I, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's just, that's what we see and that's what we like to see here. So I would agree with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I did a, a really poor job of describing it as somebody who, uh, has only visited that, uh, beautiful region of, uh, the, um, of America's dairy land. Um, What is the, could you just kind of give an overall description, maybe, you know, the main types of trees and, and, uh, you know, terrain features. You talked about that a little bit that, uh, make up your part of the world where you're hunting.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, it's a lot of, uh, rolling Hills, a lot of farmland, um, trout streams. We've got, yeah, we've got, we've got, uh just a lot of different habitats here and um you know we've got groves of pine trees but it's not like uh you know you go north north of here and you get a lot more into the pines and the uh the flatter uh, sandier soil but but here it's it's good rich uh black dirt mm. good, good farmland we got lots of hardwood um you know your oaks and your maples and um mm-hmm. you know all those good good hardwood trees and. And so we get a lot of, a lot of acorns, a lot of, uh, a lot of fruit trees around, you know, for the deer and the turkeys. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I grew up in the valley here and, uh, I just, you get, you get out of this area, like you said, going north or going towards Milwaukee and it flattens out. And I just miss these hills,
3: Yeah. You know, getting, mm-hmm.
2: to, getting to get up on the hill and see the sunset and get back down in the valley and get out of the wind. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, a a beautiful thing too, to, uh, to me, I guess, growing up in these hills and getting to, getting to chase deer and turkeys around. I I sure miss
1: them whenever I leave. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I can, I can imagine. So yeah, really, I mean, when you get over to, to Madison, you know, there's some big lakes around Madison, of course. Uh, but as you start going just a little bit north of, of Madison and then, and then mainly west of there, uh, Jesse's not fooling. I mean, it's just, it's like you've entered into a different world. <laughs> it's, it's really starts yeah. to, really starts to, you start to see all these bluffs and you see, uh, kind of that transitional timber like he was describing where you have some of the pine stands and we also have a lot of those, uh, deciduous hardwoods that he was talking about. I mean, it's really, it's really a unique little, uh, kind of its own little, biome you know that that's separate from much mm-hmm. of the midwest it's it's really a cool place so yeah mm-hmm. if you're uh looking for a new place to to maybe explore wouldn't be a bad one to check out there in uh, southwest wisconsin so might have just hurt yeah, might have just hurt your uh hunting and fishing plans there though you got the word out now
3: <laughs>
1: right right <laughs> well uh before we we really dive in you know on on, uh, hunting, uh, turkeys there in Southwest Wisconsin. Um, and, and really just your not, not just skills that apply to that, but, but skills that can apply to any turkey hunter. Really. Um, I do want to kind of introduce you as, as an outdoorsman. Now we'll get into, and I gave a little preview there just a minute ago by calling you the primitive preacher, which references your, your social media pages and, and, uh, your, I believe your YouTube channel, uh, goes by the same title but let's wind it all the way back. Uh, when, when and how did, uh, Jesse Jeffley, uh, become a hunter and is it something where you chose to do it on your own or is there some family heritage there? How, how does that all come, come into the big picture for you?
2: Yeah. So growing up here in, in Southwestern Wisconsin, I mean, it was, it was kind of natural, you know, um, everybody in there we like to say everybody and their brother hunts here so <laughs> <laughs> it's, just yep, of, yep. it's just kind of in in the the genes here i guess but my dad i you know i grew up in a in a, a farming family my dad's a farmer as well as a pastor and uh and he loves the oh, outdoor cool. and so we we grew up being out outdoors you know working on the farm and Mm-hmm. And dad's really, he's just, he's mainly a small game and a deer hunter. And so that's what, sure. you know, he started me in that. And, uh, I can, you know, I can remember from, from my earliest memories going coon hunting with dad at night, we'd take, take the, the old hound dog out and, and, uh, run around in the dark with a lantern at 22. And, you know,
3: mm-hmm. just
2: those are some of my fondest memories of hunting with dad, climbing, oh, the yeah. together, you know, sitting, listening and waiting for the dog and, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, it was you know, oh, man, I can't wait till I turn twelve so I can go deer hunting. And mm. uh, so I started out hunting, deer hunting with a rifle, and and uh, you know, dad was a big part of getting me into that. But sure, I had cousins as well, and and uncles, and that that turkey hunted, you know, and I was always like, man. That's- that looks like a lot of fun, you yeah. know and but but Dad didn't have really have time in the spring, and he'd never done it, and so mm-hmm. you know it was something that I kind of had to to pick up on my own and and uh, like I said, I had cousins and uncles that did it and and they helped me help me get started but man turkey hunting, once I got out there in the woods and started listening to those longbeard sound off and and mm. uh enjoying those spring mornings man it was it was like man, I'm hooked, you know, yeah, and uh, yeah. And so there, there hasn't been a spring since then that I haven't been out in the turkey woods, but I guess, yeah, really just, like I said, dad, getting me started with deer hunting and then, and then having those, those influences like my uncles and my cousins to, to get me into turkey hunting. And, and, uh, that's pretty much, pretty much where I started and,
0: and, uh, I guess only,
2: only grown fonder since then. So
0: sure. Well, it's it's really cool to hear everyone's story, you know, because you know, one thing that's kind of in common with everyone's story is, you know, that someone took time, you know, to to help someone, and you know, and that's really what First gen Hunter is all about, too, you know, because there's people, you know, we're confident that there's people out there that want to get into it, you know, that but man, you know, life's so busy now, man, a lot of people aren't willing to take as much time, and yeah, you know, so to to be able to get back to that, you know, investing, it was you know, it's actually funny because we just had a we we host um uh our, one of our church's small groups uh, life groups in our home on sunday nights and one of the questions that we were considering you know from the sermon this morning was about you know taking the time to know and to, to get to know and to be known. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of the, the same thing, you know, it comes to hunting. I mean, there's so much, you know, about hunting that you enjoy, but, but, um, one thing that I've realized about hunting that is more enjoyable are the relationships, you know, and the ability yeah. to grow and enjoy time together. And I mean, I, I've, we've said this before on the, on the, on the, the podcast, but you know, if, if all you got to do is hunt by yourself and you never had time to, you know, you weren't able to celebrate it with other people. It would, it would, it's not that it wouldn't still be enjoyable, but it would take a big portion of the enjoyment out of it. And so, right. yeah. you know, no, knowing that, you know, everyone has a story, which most of the time you can look back and see where someone took the time should, you know, hopefully encourage those of us who are growing in our knowledge of the sport to take that time with someone else. And so it's, it's always cool to hear everyone's individual story. And then for us to be on the show and trying to help other people learn and get into it. I mean, it's, it's really cool how it comes full circle like that.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was well said, Brandon, you know, uh, kind of going back to, uh, Uh, and really this is kind of along the lines here of what Brandon's saying too. Uh, but back to something you said a a minute ago, Jesse, when you said that your dad really wasn't into Turkey hunting himself. And so you kind of, you know, (laughs) leaned on some other people was part of that because of, you know, the phenomenon that, that really affected Brandon and, I guess not so much me because I got into hunting so, so much later, um, but definitely my state. And that would be that until, you know, probably eighties, nineties, turkeys really weren't around. I mean, they, they were native to, at least I, I assume they were native to Delaware as well, Brandon. um, Yeah. At one time, but, but just through, through uh, the years of, you know, commercial hunting and, and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, just basically wiped out and, and not just commercial hunting, but habitat destruction and everything else. Mm -hmm. But was that the case in Wisconsin or has Wisconsin, as far as you know, always held a huntable, healthy turkey population?
2: Well, no, I, I think our uh, history is similar in that, you know, there was a time where uh, the blocks had been, uh, decimated to the point where there was not a huntable turkey population. And, Mm. and I, I'm not very good with the date, um, you know, when they were reintroduced, but I know for a fact that, um, at least in our area here in this, the Southwest portion of the state, um, one of the first flocks that they reintroduced was actually on my grandpa's property. Oh, that's and cool. He, that's he really cool. <laughs> him, uh, yeah. I mean, wow. I would have to talk to my dad again on the date, but yeah, that's, that's probably a big part of why he didn't grow up hunting turkeys is because mm-hmm. they just weren't there. Right. And, uh, so being able to, to have a part in, you know, kind of seeing that the the regrowth of the turkey here in, in Wisconsin, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up always, you know, we always saw turkeys, but, you know, he didn't have that. And, and mm-hmm. so that probably is a big part of why, why he didn't hunt turkeys
1: growing up. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 really interesting and when you think about, you know, the three of us guys here, we're all millennials, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh yep. and th- here's here's two generations that get no- that get knocked all the time coming together. Here's something we can uh we can agree upon, uh boomers and uh millennials. Mm-hmm. Uh the mm-hmm. boomers really were the They put in the effort to bring them back, you know, as, uh, as, uh, and, and even the older generations than them, but, but there was a real effort made across the country to bring these birds back. And, uh, you know, now the millennial part, we're the ones that have gotten to enjoy it, but we've also, I think kind of been the generation who've. Really celebrated turkey hunting. You know, we've we like I was talking about right when we opened this episode. I used to see all these young guys constantly posting about turkey hunting, and I wondered what the big deal was. Kind of in a way, you know. Yeah, but uh, it's it's really cool how that has across the country for the most part. I'm sure there's a few areas that have always kind of held on to Turkey's okay. I think, maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe they're, maybe they're pretty well just getting reestablished everywhere. I, I guess I don't know enough of the history. I should, I should look into that more and maybe we can even get like an NWTF, uh, long timer on here Yeah, uh, who could kind yeah. of explain that to us. But, you know, it's cool to see how during our lifetime, <laughs> that's that that's become such a huge thing and it's truly a a conservation success story. However, I have heard in recent years that turkeys have not been doing quite as well. And, um, you know, the, everything gets bitten by the same bug it seems in conservation and that is um you know a lot of times we blame over hunting well we have so many game laws now that that carefully manage that we can uh well you know the effects of uh some different uh deer herd diseases that that Flick deer herds up in your neck of the woods there, mm-hmm. Jesse. And so we do have things like that, but really the biggest threat, um, is by far habitat loss. And, um, you know, as yeah. you look around you, if you're listening to this, pay real close attention to this, just take a look around you as you're driving around and just count the different things that you see each week where you see a, a wooded lot that gets torn out for a new housing mm-hmm. development or or, um, a new business or, you know, you see, uh, some acres, you know, some pasture that was never tilled, get tilled, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. Just keep an eye out for it. New new uh, businesses popping up, anything. And I'm not saying that that stuff's bad, but when it happens at a rate that that is too quickly, and we still have un, mm-hmm. you know vacant buildings sitting around not being used, and and, yeah. and things like that, and just always digging up new and cutting down, you know, wh- when we when we expand into those new areas, we're taking away habitat, and it could be habitat for the the species that we like to hunt, but. Uh, oftentimes it's far more than that. We've talked about that before, Brandon, with, uh, uh, actually, I don't think you were on this episode. I think Alex Gruen jumped in with me, but we talked to, uh, Marcus gray, who, um, does a lot of, he's a, he's a wildlife biologist, who does a lot of work with pollinators and we've, we've changed the landscape, right. And when we do there, there's a cost for that. And so, you know, I think that's something our generation, just like the generations before us gave us back turkeys. You know, we need to, we need to take care of these good things that have been given to us and look for ways that we can positively impact our ecosystems and, and the places that we love to, to be a part of and, and uh, pay it forward to the next generation. So, you know, I, I I think there's a lot to be learned from the story of the wild Turkey though, (laughs) but uh, man, all that talked about now people are gonna be like, and now you're going to talk about killing them. And, uh, shamelessly, <laughs> yes, yes, we are <laughs> now good, good hunting, pro- good hunting practices are a form of conservation. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, there's, absolutely. there's, there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, not just the money spent on licenses and ammunition and stuff, but, uh, hunters are typically, uh, and anglers are the most active for political advocacy for, for actual boots on the ground projects and uh you know it's just good to uh take a few animals out of the herd and and uh yes. make sure that you're managing the right the right density of population on the land especially when that land shrinks from habitat loss so mm-hmm. it's yeah. uh it's uh it's an important part of it but let's uh keep going here though with uh, the background of Mr. Jesse Jeffley so uh really cool story how he got into it. There's, I like that little uh, first gen vibe there with the turkey hunting. That's cool. That, that makes me, that makes me not feel so lonely here. You know, Brandon being the being the lifetime, been hunting what since his ancestors were using muskets back in the 1600s in Delaware. But I'm uh, <laughs> pretty sure Brandon's members, his family members, were at present for the first Thanksgiving meal. You know, they shot like the first turkey ever killed uh, by yes, a, yes, by a European by in America. They, they they, probably,
0: they well, you know what? They probably, they probably had, uh, an, an Indian, uh, it, who had some, uh, you know, of the, of the first bow and arrow type stuff back then that they utilized. They probably, you know, probably realized that Indian was a way better hunter than they were and asked them to go out and get one for them. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. That's so, probably true, yeah. There's, there's probably
1: a set of spurs floating around in your, uh, you know, like family, uh, <laughs> Uh yes, you know how family heirlooms. Yeah, family heirlooms <laughs> that have uh, Squanto's autograph on them or something yes, like that. That's
3: right, right, exactly. <laughs> no,
1: that's that's cool hearing these hunting heritage stories and and uh yeah, just tracing back the history of of turkeys in America, you know. And we we joke mm-hmm. about that, but obviously a very important part ever since the beginning and and um you know we, we celebrate in all sorts of different ways, but the primitive preacher thing, Jesse, tell us, tell us what the primitive preacher, uh, uh, what your channel is about and, and, uh, really what you, you've done with that and why you went with that name primitive preacher.
2: Yeah, sure. So I, it really is, uh, it's just a, an outworking of, of what God's done in my life. And so, you know, I grew up, like I said, hunting and fishing and trapping and all that good stuff. And, There really came a point in my life, though, that, that I turned to archery and it just kind of got a hold of me and I really got a passion for that. Sure. And it was really, um, you know, the time that I graduated from college or I guess in in my senior, uh, senior year of college, I just kind of had this desire to build my own bow and I was like, Mm. I'd be so cool if I could build my own bow and hunt with it, you know? And so yeah. I started watching some YouTube videos and started reading some books. And um, next thing I know, I, I gave it a try and and uh, succeeded on my first attempt to make a bow that sh- could shoot an arrow. You know, it it only lasted about a month before I broke it. But <laughs> it <you> know? <laughs> hey, that's <laughs> something, know, man. That's something. Know, before it broke, so I was pumped and I was hooked, you know. And um, and so I just kept making bows and and uh, as I had time and it really developed into, um, a passion, I guess. And yeah, almost, almost to the point of though, that it was almost, I was almost over the top with it. I was, you know, it was consuming all of my thoughts and it was consuming all of my time. And, you know, it wasn't a a huge, as big a deal then because I didn't have a wife and kids, but, um, there really came a point where, um, I had to, I had to, uh, to surrender that to the Lord and for his use instead of my own. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really a, um, um, kind of a, a long story there, but, um, one, I, I did a YouTube video on it and it really, it was, a um, a bow, a recurve bow that God gave me. And after I had surrendered, had surrendered it to to his will and his plans. And so, um, he threw that gave me the idea and the, I guess, the burden to use archery and, uh, specifically Mm -hmm. archery and hunting, but specifically, um, primitive archery and making your own equipment to, um, to glorify God really. And, Mm -hmm. and that's why the Lord directed me to that name primitive preacher is, you know, I'm not like an ordained minister or anything, but you know, we're all, um, as a born again Christian we're we're all called to be preachers and to be preaching the good news of the gospel. And so I thought, you know, it's so, it'd be so awesome to be able to connect with people on something that they're interested in, you know, because a lot of people are getting back to that. Like, you know, it's cool to make your own hunting equipment and then try to take game with it. I mean,
1: yeah, for sure.
2: Very, very very satisfying. And there's Mm -hmm. kind of a movement back towards that. And so I thought, you know, man, and I really believe that the Lord laid that on my heart to use, to try to use um, primitive archery to connect with people and to share his word and, and the hope for salvation in Jesus Christ. And so I started with just a small, uh, with just a, trying to put a couple videos on YouTube and I thought, you know, maybe nobody will ever watch them, but <laughs> I'm going to give it a go anyways. And I had a little camcorder and, um, started making some, some videos and, um, I guess just seeing the Lord, um, kind of give me more ideas for, for videos. And so that's really been my prayer. You know, if Lord, if you want me to keep doing this, just keep providing content mm. and I'll, you know, I'll try, <laughs> I'll try to do my best to get it out there. So, and, uh, it's really been cool to connect with people on that level, you know,
3: mm. um,
2: yeah, to share with, you know, working with wood and then being able to share some of my hunting as well. Um, I haven't, I haven't had a lot of, uh, on film success. I'm sure if it, if you guys have done any of your own, uh, um, self filmed, any of your hunting, you know, it's, it's pretty challenging. I mean, it's oh, challenging yeah. to, mm-hmm. to be, uh, hunting by yourself, but, um, to then try to get that harvesting that game on, on video is, is kind Mm -hmm. of a whole new level, (laughs) but, but I've really enjoyed being able to share that, you know, with my family and friends as well as, as with, uh, you know, the larger audience of of people that are interested in traditional and primitive archery.
1: That's awesome, man. That's really cool. And you're right. People are, you know, for, for whatever reason, seeming to get a deeper, drawing a deeper connection to you know what can they do with their their own their own god-given skills right their their yeah. know-how and talents that they've been given to to use and they're building cool stuff and I think that's also you know I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's also why a lot of people are seeking out hunting for the first time you know they're wow. they're looking at okay what what am I able to maybe put a better effort into, especially the, and especially the food side of things, right? I think that's why the food appeals to so many people that are deciding to get into hunting is because they, they want to participate. And so, you know, the bow making side of, of what you do with your channel, I think is is really important. I think that that appeals to, uh, you know, what, what people are looking for and, and, uh, it's just really cool, and I've actually yeah. I've actually held one of Jesse's bows, whether he knows this or not, and nice. uh, <laughs> checked out some of the arrows he's made. And because that's the other thing, you don't just make the you don't just make the bow; you make all the arrows too, right? Right.
2: Yeah. So I make make the arrows and fletch them. Make the shafts. fletch them with uh, wild turkey feathers, usually, or uh, or uh, Canada goose brothers yeah. and then
1: that's so cool I've been getting
2: into making, making points as well steel points oh cool yeah
3: um,
2: so forging and or just uh um more like you know uh trade point style yeah yeah
1: yeah and and everyone cool. listening you, you you heard that right i've seen these arrows they're not when we say he's making arrows he's not ordering carbon fiber shafts from somewhere mm-hmm. and and then ordering veins from somewhere else. No, no, no. He finds a stick in the woods that he likes <laughs> and he shapes that thing down. And he, he, as you just said, he forges the tips. Now, how do you do the forging? Is that, do you have like a, you know, are you like putting this on an anvil or, or are you, uh, you know, heating this up in like an actual forge or are you heating it up in a fire? What are you doing to do those steel those steel heads that you're putting on broadheads that you're putting on those arrows.
2: Yeah. So I actually, um, in recent years purchased a small, uh, portable forge. It's got a hand crank blower that on is it. So
1: cool. And, man.
2: Uh, yeah. Just getting it hot in there and throwing it on. I've got a section of railroad track for an anvil and <laughs> start pounding with a hammer. So, everyone, that is that's so a whole, cool. nother, whole nother deal there that I have really gotten into enjoying that's uh, cool.
1: Fun. That is really cool. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Care, I don't <laughs> care who you are. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that yeah, is. awesome. Yeah, clear,
0: clearly, if uh, if we ever if we ever did end up in some sort of a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> Jesse would be one of those that you would want on your side. He'd be he'd, he'd be making the uh, making the the weapons and the ammo for us. So.
1: I <laughs> mean. You know, Brandon, you, you brought that up one other episode. I, I I just now remember it was the Laura Upham interview episode, episode 48. And I concur if we had, if you, if you had a zombie apocalypse on your hands, (laughs) you need to call Laura, you need to call Jesse and you'll be in good shape.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) But, uh, no, that's, that is so cool, man. And, and there are videos showing how you do this work, right? Jesse on your channel.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a few different videos of the the bow making as well as the arrows and uh um I've got some some clips of forging forging points. I haven't done an actual video on uh, on uh, my points yet, but sure. Um yeah, so they're out there.
1: <laughs> have before we move on from this, have you considered doing any like uh napping of uh like what what was it that uh that uh, Native Americans use? was it chert? Was that the type of rock that was that was preferred? I always that the
2: that's one of them.
1: Okay. Have you ever have you ever Got considered it. doing that, like napping out some arrowheads that way?
2: Yeah, I've I've played around with it. Um, one of the problems is that we don't have a lot of real good um, material here. Sure. We have some flint. We have some flint in this area, but a lot of it is is damaged by um, heavy frost. And so mm. it's, it's almost too brittle
3: to sure make
2: um, i mean i could i could get flint or charters you know some of that material obsidian is one of the the um better ones but that's you know a, a volcanic volcanic rock right right, right. I, yeah i played around with it a little bit i ordered some uh some flint from three rivers archery and and made a few points but i quickly realized that i needed um, I needed some instruction on that. So I haven't, I haven't gone any further. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's still, that's yeah, a lot further than I've gone cool. with. It. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, speaking of arrowheads, uh, just over the weekend, um, I found out my grandpa found an arrowhead on his farm at one point, and oh, uh, cool. I'll have a I'll have a picture that goes up on social media soon, so you guys can see that. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Not those are a little bit hard to come by down here at this latitude. I, I imagine up in Jesse's neck of the woods, there's probably quite a few arrowheads laying out on the out on the ground. But oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, we've
2: got boxes of them that my grandparents found.
1: That's so cool. You know? That's awesome.
2: And, you know, working the work in the ground, you're always bringing them up. So
1: yeah, yeah, got pretty good collection. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Man, we could we could easily get sidetracked. I think we are officially sidetracked, Brandon. Not, <laughs> good sidetracked. Not, <laughs> that. not that that ever not that that ever happens to me. <laughs> we gotta get we gotta take this back to turkeys a little bit, man. I just love learning about all that stuff. You know, I recently yeah. I, I recently just learned to just end this sidetrack. That a lot of like the you know, some of the earliest human presence here in North America can be tracked based on to some degree, tracked to some degree, based on like uh what Jesse was just talking about, the different materials that were used for their hunting points. You know, they would mm-hmm. they would uh, have to go to, you know, some sort of quarry, you know early primitive uh <laughs> uh north america type of quarry but uh they would mm-hmm. they would find you know these deposits of rock and they you know kind of like Jesse's talking about you find a good rock you're going to take it with you cuz you can make more yeah. po- points out of it down the road and so you can kind of track where people had been based on uh some of the rock that they had but I'm starting to get above my pay grade there on what I know about that information. So I better, uh, I better go back to uh, talking the original plan here, which is interviewing uh, Jesse on some Turkey hunting. So Jesse, when, uh, when you are Turkey hunting, when you decide to, you know, what it's getting to be the time of Turkey, Turkey hunting and Turkey season, obviously that's dictated by the Wisconsin DNR when you can actually go hunt. But um, what, part of the turkey season are you really focusing in on are you is, is there like a you know kind of like almost with deer hunting everyone's pretty well crazy about the rut but is there mm-hmm. is there a time within turkey the the spring turkey season that you're really starting to you know be like that's the time I'm really gonna pour my effort into
2: well the thing with uh, turkey hunting here in Wisconsin is that they have a I don't really know how it goes in other states, but they have a, a draw system, and you apply for a, a tag back in December, and uh, they have six different seasons.
3: Oh, okay. To,
2: and each season is one week long. So you kind of have to choose, you know, um, your preferred time if you like going early. You know, you got to know through season one, and um, one, two, or three, and then, you know, as it gets into May, you're you're getting into the later seasons sure and so any of those you know you're you're gonna you're gonna have varying degrees of um success depending on depending on what the year looks like like this year we've had an early spring Mm -hmm. and so the early seasons were looking really good um but now guys that are out there, we're still in the first season of uh, spring turkey hunting here in Wisconsin. And uh, the first week of turkey hunting. Sure. And guys that I'm talking to are saying, you know, they're, they're hanging up. They're not coming into the call. They're, they're hand up, you know, and this is crazy. Mm-hmm. First season, for me, first season is usually like the, the best. That okay. The, best time. The, turkeys, the turkeys aren't educated. You know, they haven't been called a bunch this year. Uh, sure. It's yeah. just, coming out of their winter flock so they're they're dispersing you know to different areas and yeah. uh in my in my uh experience they're a lot easier to call and uh, yeah. they're they're just excited about you know getting in fighting with other comms, getting excited about you know finding the hens and so first season is usually what i go for which yeah. i actually didn't draw first season this year i got the second so
3: i'll be okay um
2: but weather does play a big, big, uh, part of what, what time of year, you know, what season is going to be good. And so, yeah. the, so far this year, first season hasn't been great, but second, I'm hoping it's going to be
3: better. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's an interesting way that they handle that, but man, so you get, you get that one week now, you know, that's kind of, I say that's interesting, but it's actually in a way, I mean, we don't have to, like draw form that there may be I'm not familiar enough with it because this will only be my second season turkey hunting here in Iowa but you, we do break it up into four seasons and you can only hunt well actually I think if you do like the archery only season you can hunt like you know one gun or bow season two but but um there's not that drawing system like it and I imagine that's just okay. because they, they don't want a ton of people you know in the woods at the same time for one because turkey hunting can be dangerous we've talked about that in previous episodes you're especially on public ground you know you're all camoed up no blaze orange and people are sounding like turkeys and they're putting turkey decoys out and crawling behind fans and everything else so Mm -hmm. that's probably part of it but i also imagine you just don't want you know people to eliminate the flock (laughs) by, uh, spreading out the, uh, you know, the time of the year when the turkeys are more educated and, uh, a little bit tougher to kill. So that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a really interesting way of doing that. But so you get that one week, are you, and I know you hunt on your family farm, but do you do some public land hunting as well?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah. We have a, a state park here close by Wildcat Mountain State Park. And then there's also, uh, um, the Kickapoo Valley Reserve, which is, um, you know, it's over 8,000 acres of public. Oh, wow. Uh, hunting mm, wow, nice
1: piece. And So,
2: so I've, I've hunted there since I can, since I could drive myself <laughs> to go hunting. And so, uh, yes, I have, I have done. Okay. Land, so.
1: so then are you, are you, um going to get pretty aggressive with that one week of time on on your home farm are you going to be real aggressive like maybe doing a run and gun type of of uh, approach, or you know, calling more just because you're trying to make it happen within that narrow window of time, or are you kind of holding back on your private ground, keeping the pressure low, and then going hard on the public ground? I mean, how do you how do you handle your aggressive approach to just such a short window of time to hunt?
2: Well, first of all, I guess I should kind of clarify. Um, so you you a draw, and you know you can. Um, get your one tag for your one season but then after a certain amount of time after the the draw has happened there's still um tags left over
1: oh okay okay okay
2: yeah has uh you know a certain quota or whatever
1: oh okay
2: usually it's usually season three through six so the last three seasons they'll still have some left over and then you're able to go buy those okay
1: Gotcha. So a lot of
2: times you'll be able to get another tag, you know, for a later season. So, you know, I'm usually hoping on getting, you know, at least two tags. So um, that plays into it a little bit, but really, I guess my, my uh, strategy, if you will, if I know there's turkeys somewhere, that's where I'm going. You know, like
3: Mm. if I'm,
2: if I'm seeing them every day on my, on the private property, then I'm gonna go there and you know try to kill one of those birds. But if I'm on okay. public land, you know, and if I have both options, then uh, I'll probably go try to hit the public land first. You know, like if I'm seeing a lot of birds in an area on public in the earlier seasons, I'm probably gonna try to hit the public.
3: Yeah. And sure. um,
2: save the the private land for later in the season when public's been hunted more and it's you know it's harder to get a bird in.
0: Yeah. Uh, are you? That's are how you I'm. Fun. Yeah, and do you, do you, what's, what's your take on, you know, pressure related to turkey hunting? You know, we talk about it a lot with deer hunting, but how does it affect the turkeys? Do you see that it affects it tremendously? What's your take on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, pressure is, uh, after the first two or three seasons here in Wisconsin, public land gets pretty tough to hunt. Birds mm-hmm. have been called to, they've been shot at, you know, they've seen hunters, they've you know, they've gotten spooked out of their tree, and so they, they're just, they're they're just call shy and you know decoys sometimes in the later seasons you put a decoy out and as soon as they see it they run the other way you know Hmm. yeah it 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 does really affect them and uh that's interesting so so then you have to you have to completely change the way that you hunt them
1: right uh, sure you just have to get
2: you know really you just have to get where they want to be you know and and wait for them so yeah i say it, it really does affect affect the
1: turkeys uh, there's, yeah there's a there's a good tip in there so so you're getting to this point in the season where they are so and this is good for me because i'm hunting season four <laughs> out of four uh so you're getting to the point in the year where all these birds have they, they've probably watched a few birds die right next to them <laughs> mm-hmm. they've uh they've um like you said they've gotten accustomed to seeing these weird looking turkeys that don't seem to move and uh mm-hmm. they they uh have been hearing something that kind of sounds like their uh, native language but uh, sounds a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit off coming fr- through the woods from box box calls and slate calls and everything else and mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're wisening up so when you say that you got to get where they're gonna be, I assume what you mean by that is you're finding what you would think to be a good roost tree or maybe you see them go up and roost the night before and then before light for first light you're getting into position near that roost tree and you're going to try and get the birds off the roost. Is that, is that kind of what you're talking about there?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the, uh, one of the strategies is getting, you know, trying to get where they're going to be flying down, you know, and, uh, get them right off the roof. Um, another, another stage of that, I guess is, you know, if you're seeing where they're feeding or, um, you catch, while you're out of particular route that they're taking, you know, you try to like deer hunting, you know, you try to ambush them.
3: Sure. Set up mm-hmm. on a
2: roof, from, from roof to feeding or from feeding to roots or, you know, uh, something of that nature.
1: Sure. Well, you, you did, when you clarified that, how the, the extra, uh, tags work there for, for meeting quotas, I must have just missed it the first time you said it somehow, but, but, uh, that does alleviate a lot of the pressure, at least from my brain, knowing that you can go get that second tag and, and have another crack at it. But, but, yeah. um, let's, I mean, you're still going to want to use your, your narrow window of time for both your tags. And if, I mean, if, if weather conditions are not favorable, so one thing that I seem to have been picking up on is uh from more you know following more experienced hunters is when you know it's like raining or something like that, maybe too windy or something, guys are not prioritizing that time to be in the woods. Hmm. Have you have you noticed that turkeys I mean some people will say like for deer, you know, if you got a if you got like a steady, you know, a light rain, that can be one of your best days of deer hunting. But but is it not that way with turkeys? Do turkeys, uh, call it a day if it's pretty nasty weather? I, I mean, I honestly have no idea cause I, 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 have not turkey hunted near enough to, to really know.
2: Well, in, in my experience, um, a light or even, you know, a moderate rain can actually be pretty good. Um, as far as turkey activity. Now I haven't had a lot of success calling us, calling them when it's raining,
1: Okay, but
2: hmm. A lot of times, you know, if you if if we get a rain, if it's raining, I'll drive around and uh, check out some of these uh, croplands, these, these open fields, because I don't know what it is that the turkeys like to be out in the fields when it's raining. <laughs> um, and that's just been my experience. I'm not sure if it's, uh, you know, worms coming up out of the ground, or you know. They like the the rain on their feathers. I'm I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. but I've just noticed mm-hmm. at least in, in my area that a light or, or moderate rain, they're out in the field, you know, and so they're they're more, okay. uh, um, you know, you can you you can see where they're at, anyways, and try to to make a move on them. Like I said, I haven't had a lot of luck calling them in those conditions, but sure. Um, at least if they're visible, you know where they're at. So
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you've commented on that because, you know, I, I've, I've noticed that in my experience a fair amount as well, that they, you know, I've had a couple of, couple of my like most favorite experiences turkey hunting in a light rain. So that's kind yeah. of interesting, you know, cause a lot, I think a lot of guys do traditionally think eh, if it's, if it's raining, eh, not gonna, I'm not going to give it a go, but in actuality, it could be a really epic time to go. So it, it worth yeah. considering, it, considering. Absolutely.
1: Hmm. That's, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, I imagine a lot of people uh, have wondered about that that haven't turkey hunted before. Yeah. You know, the, I've, I have found too, is <laughs> a lot of times when, when, uh, the weather, becomes unfavorable for the average person um that's usually when the best hunting is you know hunting those cold fronts Mm -hmm. during deer season Mm -hmm. when it's you know brutally (laughs) cold you know like a brutally cold day for november of course you know that'd be a warm day in january but but uh you know getting out there getting out there in those those days when you don't want to a lot of times pays off so that's a good little tip there with the scouting those fields during that time. I bet you're right. I bet it is. I bet it does have to do with uh earthworms coming up or or maybe uh you know old uh corn left over from last season's easier for them to spot or something like that, you know, with the shine of the rain on it or something. But that's a mm-hmm. that's a good little tip there for sure. Okay, so so that's kind of that's kind of how it, your season lays out. Now um When it's, you know, let's go back to the idea that you would have gotten what you wanted, which was that first season tag. You got, you have, you know, birds that have long since forgotten about hunters since last spring and, uh, you know, they're, they're not wisened up yet. They haven't, they haven't had any pellets thrown at them yet. Where, where are you going to be finding these birds? (laughs) Caribou, Elk, Moose, Antelope, Coos Deer, Trophy Whitetails, Oryx, sika Deer, doll Sheep, and Mule Deer. What do all these critters have in common besides their delicious backstraps? They can't all be hunted in the same state, meaning that at least one of these game species will require you to purchase a non-resident hunting license and tag in order to hunt them now the rules of the tag application game are wildly diverse from state to state and if you are looking to complete a bucket list hunt you are going to want some help to make sure you are setting yourself up for the best opportunity possible and that's where tag application and hunt planning agent alex Gruen of east to west hunts can really help you out if you've listened to any of the episodes we've had here on the first gen hunter podcast with our buddy alex then you know there isn't anyone who cares more about the details of tag acquisition than him. Alex not only will help you through the hoops of the tag application process, but he will also help you plan the details of your trip that will get you where you need to be in order to have your best chance at filling your tag. And he is offering a 10% discount for First Gen Hunter podcast listeners such as yourself. All you have to do is purchase a service through his website, alexgruin.com, that's A-L-E-X-G-R-U-I-N.com, and use the code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout, F-I-R-S-T-G-E-N, the number 10, and you will receive 10% off the hunt of your lifetime.
2: Well, um, you know, in in uh, it really really depends on the season or like you know what kind what type of spring we've had.
1: Um, okay. You
2: know, as far as uh, where they're going to be, but like last year, I'll just I'll just say for you know, uh, just give you an example. Last year was perfect. Like it was a uh, it wasn't a real early spring, but uh, you know things were pretty. Starting to green up pretty good that first week or that first season, and the weather was you know cool but not cold and and mm-hmm. uh, man the turkeys were the turkeys were hitting the field, hitting uh, like you know even just just hayfield like mm-hmm. they're out there right away in the morning getting bugs and whatever strutting around you know and and it was awesome I mean I got was able to go in in late because our seasons start on Wednesday
3: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, each season starts on Wednesday so. I had to, I either have to take off work or, you know, a lot of days, or if it happens to work out with, uh, um, rain or something, I, I can't work. So then I go hunting, but it worked out really good last year, last year, first season. Um, I, we ended up starting late because there was, there was, uh, the threat of rain, mm. which can also be a really good time to hunt. And, uh, I pour concrete, so we don't pour concrete in the rain. So We have the right. threat of rain. So I'm, I'm like, sweet, I'm going turkey hunting, and uh, grabbed my bow and my ghillie suit, and I went out, went down the public land, and uh, there's, anytime you have, you know, transit or uh, a corridor between two large fields, I mean, that's mm. a hot spot. Mm-hmm. So, like, this, this, this area came from private to public, and it narrowed down to basically a tractor road between the two fields you know, going from the private to the public land.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, it's just, it was just hot spot. So I nestled in the, in the brush there in my ghillie suit. And he just had uh, one, a one running pound Turkey out and one hand, which has been kind of my go-to uh, decoy setup early in the season.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And like, I mean, this, this is like perfect, my perfect scenario. And I hit, I hit one call right at light turkey gobbles you know 200 yards away i shut up wait till they fly down until i know they've flown down, flown down i yell two three times and then there's two there's a tom and a jake and they come on the run and
3: you know
2: <laughs> like, they're just booking it and so like that's that's what i love about first season Is mm. a lot of times they're just like yeah let's go you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah i yeah. tom strutting there and so he, you know, he came just charging into the decoy and he was, you know, uh, 10 yard. he ran right by me at five yards and then man. started strutting around the decoy. And then it was only my, you know, uh, the fact that I tried to shoot through the tail fan on my decoy and actually shot my decoy. That was the only reason I didn't get that bird. <laughs> oh man. Still, yeah, oh man. still one of my most memorable hunts, you know, right. even, yeah, even though I didn't sure. get the bird. So that's, oh, that's, that's cool. my ideal spring first season
1: turkey out right there yeah that's yeah that's cool that's that's really cool let's talk about an exciting exciting uh list of events there seeing those birds come running in like that man it's happening brandon i'm wanting to go i need to go right now i know man (laughs) i
0: know there's there's i mean i tell you it's uh, for those of us who grew up deer hunting and that's kind of you know our our first love you know as you start getting into turkey hunting and and you know you talk about that connection with the animal and calling and hearing that i mean there's there's something that is and i just posted a video the other day on on our page you know there's just something about hearing a gobbler just gobble in in, in the early morning that just gets your blood going you know oh, yeah. so i mean it's yeah it's oh. it's special i mean to and to to go back and forth with it to to you know communicate with that bird and and go through that process i mean it's, it, there's, there's not a whole lot that can replicate that, you know, in hunting, you know, the, the, all the components like that. And so it's pretty cool to, you know, it, for those, for people, I mean, I grew up, when I was growing up, when turkey hunting came on TV, I was like, eh, it was kind of like when fly fishing came on TV, eh. you know, and, and, you know, cause it was like, oh, I never did that. I never, you know, I never, right. turkey hunting, I never did fly fishing, but man, if bass fishing was on or deer hunting was on or, you know, okay. But now it's cool that how, you know, you. Growing mature as a hunter, and then you get out into it, and you're like, man, I, I, man, I wish I, I wish I had gotten into this even sooner, because man, it's incredible, you know. And yeah. I think turkey is very much like that. For those who who don't do it, man, once you do it a couple of times, you're like, wow, I've really been missing out. I, this is really a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, oh, I man. feel, I definitely feel like I've been missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to make that better though this year. Hopefully, yes, hopefully. Yeah, sure. But, but okay. Well, so you know so far we've pretty much been talking the context of hunting the morning but let's say things aren't going so well like uh you just described toms are are quiet they aren't they aren't doing really much for your uh Locator calls, they're not, see, I learned that from, I learned that from Heath, Brandon. I know what a locator yes. call is now, Yes, but uh, <laughs> you're not getting any of those, uh, what do they call that? A shock gobble when you uh, do mm-hmm. your, lo, your, lo, your locator call. So let's say you're not getting any of those shock gobbles, you know, you're not maybe even laying eyes on birds. What do you, where are the birds throughout the day? I mean, if you're not, obviously they come down off the roost first thing in the morning, but then after that, what? what's kind of a, a daily schedule like for a, a turkey?
2: Well, I mean, I've never asked one, but that's, that's a really <laughs> good question. <laughs> um, yeah, so after that initial, you know, that initial flying down off the roost, it can be a little bit tricky to locate them, but Never. they're either, you know, especially, you know, the males are focused on breeding, you know, this time of year in the spring. And so really what you got to do is just find the hens. And so the hens pretty much, you know, they're getting ready for, they're, they know they're they're going to be, you know, nesting, laying eggs, and, mm-hmm. and they have to spend more time on the nest soon, you know, once that happens. So they're kind of preparing for, for that, you know, um, sure. and they're, so they're feeding a lot. And so, um, my, I guess my experience with, with that, you know, once they get off the roost, they're, you know, they're going to be at that good food source for, um, you know, whatever that good food source is for most, for a lot of the morning. And then, you know, they're going to, they're going to go back in the woods for a time. And, uh, a lot of times, um, just like at least in in my area here, those hardwood ridges can be mm. really good in the afternoon.
0: That's a good And tip. Uh,
2: you know they might be. Sorry.
1: That's it. Now that's a good tip. Those hardwood ridges.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they something about you know I don't know if they're they're finding some of those old uh, acorns you know from last fall. Mm. Um, fresh fresh shoots and whatnot in the, in the woods there, but. Afternoons, a lot of times those hardwood ridges, and then they kind of towards later afternoon they work their way back towards the field. In my um, experience, um, and a lot of times uh, afternoons can be a good good time to look for those uh, dusting areas. You know, if you've ever seen those
1: okay, yeah,
2: those dusting areas where they go and you know they kind of rest there for a while and they dust themselves, and um, you know if it's hot out they'll sit in the shade there for a while or whatever. But that's uh, mm-hmm. and then. And then it seems like they're in the back in the fields, then till, you know whatever that that best food source is, till till they head back to the roost.
3: Hmm. So
1: I don't
3: know. Now,
2: in my experience, that's kind of the
1: yeah. That's the scheduling. That's that's super helpful. Now, here's a question I have off that, and I don't know. You may not you may not know this because you haven't observed it or something, but and so maybe Brandon, you could help with this too. Let's say you have. A, a you know a good stand of timber a place that's got plenty of roosting trees and uh you know as the day goes on and as, as jesse's talking they're looking for that best food source are they going to range out like hundreds of yards from that timber cover or is do they not really ever get caught way out in the open like that do they do they always stay within you know 100 150 yards of of uh timber or could they travel you know that far from a you know their their general roosting area to uh find a better food source
2: yeah i think they do um yeah i you know especially if, they, if it's a if it's a field or you know a food source where they can get to a high spot where they can see around them hmm. you know you know i mean they have such good eyesight if they can see they don't mind being way out in the field you know okay
1: that's because good that's good to approaches
2: know approaches them they see it coming they're going to see it coming a long ways off and they're going to be able to fly you know fly to cover or sure. whatever so yeah says, yeah i think so
0: yeah i, I agree i, mean, uh, I uh, a tough turkey doesn't have a lot of, you know, it doesn't have a lot of, it's not an easy prey, sure. you know, for for a lot of animals. I mean, you know, because turkeys have really bad eyesight at, at night, you know, kind of unlike uh, deer, um, you know, they, they, are, they, they are not good. They do not have good vision at night or early morning, which is why it's, you know, you're able to creep up. You know, if you know where a bird's roosting, you know, ideally you can get within 100 yards of it. Um, you know, give yourself a great shot to, you know, get them to fly down early and boom. I mean, you can sometimes make it happen in the first five minutes of light. You know, so, so they, you know, to protect themselves, they, they, you know, that's why they roost up in those trees. And, and, and turkeys can get aggressive. I mean, you know, you, you know, something like a, like a fox or a, you know, even a, you know, even a larger animal try to attack, you know, I mean, they can get very aggressive. So, I mean, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna typically see, you know, a full grown, you know, Tom Turkey get taken down by a predator, you know, in the middle of the day. I mean, it does, it is, you know, and, and you know, to, to interesting. Jesse's point, you know, what he was saying, you know, being out in an open field and things, things of that nature. I mean, uh, one of the, one of the things you'll see a Tom do a lot of times, you know, we've had experience with this, you know, you get the Jakes. They're just itching for action, man. You get four jakes, they'll just come rolling in. I mean, you know, you have a decoy set up. They're just like you know, you call to them a couple times, and boom, they're like right on top of you. And man, you could have your pick of them. But you know, a tom, a lot of times, man, it comes out into the field. I know we've had this happen a lot to us. You know, you set, you have your decoy set up 20 yards out, and man, Tom comes into the field. You maybe hear him, you know, and he finally makes his way out. He flies down, makes his way out to the field, and there he is, strutting like 60 yards away, and he's like, he just, he's not coming in any closer. Smart bird. <laughs> He and he's you know he's close enough to just make your mouth water with like man can you just come in closer <laughs> you know it's crazy how smart mm-hmm. those birds are you know sometimes so i mean it's it's incredible you know how they're prepared for those things and meanwhile you know you you know I, I know i've had a couple hunts where i'm like you know and a lot of times jakes will come out of the woods and you're like yes i mean you they you, they start to fan out a little bit whatnot and you think yeah and then you're like oh they got like a you know, one inch beard and, you know, <laughs> and they're young ones and they just, and it's awesome. I mean, you know, you can, you know, here in Delaware, you have to, you can only shoot bearded birds, you know, and so it could, you know, it could be a Jake with a one inch beard, or it could be a Tom with an 11 inch beard, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, for your first bird, especially, you know, if you're, Hey, if you're just looking to get something for the, for the the table, you know, Hey, a, a Jake is, is great. And that's super exciting for a young hunter, especially, and, or your first bird, but sure. uh, it's really interesting how you see the difference in maturity of the birds and how wary they are. And like Jesse was talking about earlier, a lot of times that early season is really good because, you know, you get those birds that are just, they're excited to, to, to mate a little bit, you know, typically, you know, typically those, you know, a lot of the season hunters. I was just talking to a real season hunter the other day and he said, you know, the, the, in his opinion, the best time to hunt for a bird is, you know, of course early, everyone's going to say early, but then his, his thing was also like nine 30 to 10 30, because, Usually the, the birds will fly down. They will locate hens. You know, they're going to hen up and they're going to, you know, mate with the hens. And then right around nine or nine thirty or so ish, the hens leave the the toms, leave the birds to go lay their eggs hmm. um, and hens will lay an egg a day for most of the, the, the mating season. And so oh, and wow. then it's about that time where the tom realizes, oh, I'm I, the, the hens not with me anymore. And so now the Tom is looking for, you know, other hens. And so a lot, a lot of the, and and I absolutely do not claim to be a seasoned hunter. I'm trying to learn more and be better myself, but you know, a lot of these guys will then be out and, you know, I've known a lot of guys say a lot of guys, they don't even go out early. You know, they'll, they'll go out around nine o'clock and, you know, they'll just, they'll take their alcohol out there a little, you know, they'll start doing some, some, you know, yelping and whatnot. And they'll locate a bird, you know, after that initial set of, of breeding and then they'll get on a bird like that. So I'm like, man, maybe. Maybe, I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not the smart one. I'm all out there all early. And these guys were like, <laughs> oh yeah, I just slept in. I'm just coming out and shoot shoot myself a big old bird. It's fine.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You know, I'm too much of a sucker for <laughs> those, uh, you those know? sunrises in the woods. Though. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, oh, man, I couldn't I sacrifice I that. Sure. That's, that's yeah, too good. Yes, but well, well, all this, all this talking about calling here, Jesse, mm. we were wondering if you could, uh, maybe, uh, do some, uh demonstrations for us on, uh, you know, uh, what, what you're doing for, for calling and maybe when is the right time to use some of those different calls?
2: Sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to. I, um, I'm not a professional caller by any means, but I love calling turkeys. And, uh, I guess in my experience, um, less is more when it comes to calling turkeys.
3: Sure. And yeah.
2: You can always, you know, you can always get more aggressive, but if you get too aggressive, if you get aggressive right away, a lot of times you'll spook the bird.
3: Hmm.
2: So, um, I guess I always start out with, you know, and a lot of people debate whether you should even call to the turkeys roosted in the tree, Mm -hmm. you know, if you should call to a tom in the tree. And I've, I've had differing experiences with that. And I think it really, you know, you just kind of, you just kind of go for it if you want, you know, it's, sure. it's a 50 50 chance. Maybe you'll,
3: yeah.
2: Sometimes it works really good. Sometimes it doesn't, but I usually like to wait till they fly down and then I'm just going to start off really, um, I don't know, just really passive, I guess with, uh, some light curves and clucking, maybe it's, you know, light yelping.
3: Mm-hmm. And so
2: I, I, have got a, a diaphragm call here, a mouth call. This one is, a, um, one of Eddie Salter's, Special specialty calls, um, and okay. so uh, I guess I'll
1: just I'll
3: just
2: start out with my with my morning, you know. Yeah, just and, off the roof,
1: and we'll we'll preface this too that that Jesse lives so far in the middle of nowhere. There in Southwest Wisconsin, he had to drive to the tallest bluff, and is on his cell phone. So uh, we're, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll try and get this to come through with the best sound as we can here. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good preface. Thing, but. <laughs> so I have a hard time clocking without first turning. That's just the way that I I learned to call, and the way that yeah. I yeah, um, it doesn't seem to hurt anything. So
1: sure. So that's just
2: a little purring. I don't know if you could hear that or not, but yeah, yeah. a little purr, mm-hmm. and then just a few clucks, and uh, and then I'll usually go into some some yelping. And I usually don't try to get too much more aggressive than that sure until like i know the birds aren't responding to that
1: yeah okay
2: and uh and you've got to be careful too because a lot of times um you know they'll gobble at you right away but when that bird is moving he's not gobbling so you know a lot of guys will call and they'll get a turkey to respond and then you know they'll keep calling they'll keep calling because they want to hear that gobble but if he's gobbling he's not moving yeah. so if he's fly it, just give him a little bit of time uh, that's a good tip coming.
1: that's a really um, good tip wow if he's moving yeah, I've had, and he I've had a
2: lot of time. so
0: now, um, now let it, me ask you jesse let me ask you you know kind of classic sc- scenario and i mean i think it's interesting what you're saying you know maybe a guy is a first gen hunter or, or, or a woman, you know, it's first gen hunter and they're, they're figuring things out. You know, maybe they've got someone who said, Oh, I can, yeah, yeah. you can go out and, and, you know, hunt and whatever. And so they're out there, you know, maybe they've done some basic research. They've got, you know, a hen decoy, they've got a Jake decoy, or maybe they're just using a hen decoy, you know, whatever. And they're out mm-hmm. and you know, they're set up and, and maybe the, a friend told him, Hey, I saw some turkeys in this area, whatever. They're set up in the morning and, and, you know, you know, Ten minutes, fifteen minutes before shooting light, you know they hear a gobble in the trees. Are you typically staying quiet? You know, it, it, are you letting them know you're there at all? Or are you staying quiet completely until you until they're you know around to the time they're ready to, to come down from the tree?
2: Um, I, I'd say nine times out of ten, I'll give them just a, a little bit, like you said, to, to let them know I'm there. But then I'll mm-hmm. you know I'll wait till it's light on time to really start calling to them.
3: Sure. You know, yes. Some of that
2: real light purrs and clucks. Like, you know, they're just waking up. Like a hen's just waking up, you know.
3: Yes. Um, but, then,
2: but I usually like to wait till uh, fly down time to really get, you know, much much volume, I guess. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, now in, in the continuation of the, of the, of the scenario, let's say, you know, you've, you know, you've just did some purring, whatever, you know, you, you're hearing some gobbles. So, you know, they're, you know, hundred to 150 yards away when they're, when they're down, are you, are you, how, I know you basically just gave us a scenario. Is that kind of the extent to which you would call as long as they're, as long as you're hearing something, whatever, you're going to keep it pretty light in, in the hopes that they're going to be coming in your direction. Is that right?
2: yeah that's that's usually what i stick to I yeah
0: to anyways, but i scared too many birds away getting <laughs> getting too fired up right away i guess <laughs> right yeah uh, yeah that's yeah, be easy yeah to do. that's that's really yeah really good advice
1: well jesse i man as always we could run this one so much longer um but i know you have uh you got plans for tonight and you need to get going here in the next five minutes or so and i definitely want to give you a chance to uh um you know promote your channel and uh um like you also had you were you mentioned to me before we really started recording tonight that your brothers uh both uh sell some uh, turkey hunting products that they hand make and and stuff like that and so want to give you a chance to talk about that but but before we do that if you had one last piece of advice or a pep talk or something like that for a brand new turkey hunter so i.e me <laughs> no any other <laughs> any other uh a turkey hunter out there that that is just getting into it, what would that be?
2: Um, You know, I guess I would say uh, don't get discouraged mm. uh, by, I know this is probably super, you know, uh, generic, but like, you know, I've, I've been in that situation and I took my younger brother's turkey hunting. I got, you know, started them turkey hunting uh, or got to take them some when they were starting. Sure. And really, you know, you're going to miss some turkeys. You're going to have you know, you're going to spook some birds and, and the best thing is to not get discouraged, but think, you know, try to learn from, from each, each time you get in the woods, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that's really, I guess the best encouragement that I would give to a new hunter is that's all part of the hunt, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's the successes. Absolutely. You know, that's the, that's the high points, but, but the failures and what you learn from them and, you know, just tell you what you learn about bird patterns and about, how they respond to different calling and how they respond to, um, you know, and how they, um, just, just how a turkey acts, you know, I, that would be my biggest, um, encouragement. It's just don't get discouraged when things don't go, go your way, but, uh, try to learn from it and then keep after them. Cause sooner or later you're gonna, you know, you're going to get them figured out and you're going to get on them. So oh,
1: yeah, that's encouragement. a great... That's a great tip. That's a really good tip. Well, Jesse, um thank you so much for being on the show tonight. How can people uh track down Primitive Preacher and uh any uh you know cool stuff coming out for that here soon?
2: Oh yeah, sure. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um you can just uh, go to YouTube. My YouTube channel is just Primitive Preacher and uh, I've got some some videos I'm working on, some bow making videos. I'm working on uh um, a guillotine style turkey on head that I'm going to be using the oh, spring. Oh, cool! Just a primitive, primitive guillotine head. So I'm pretty yeah. excited
1: about, about I, getting that out there and trying. I that. do, I do know what that means. I have seen a uh, turkey hunting show once where a guy was using those and oh, devastating. <laughs> I think it's the best <laughs> word for those things. <laughs>
3: oh,
1: that's yeah, cool. Man,
2: that's, my my that's my thing about them is either you get them, you know, you either hit them and they're down right there or you miss them, you know? And so that's right. why I'm to try that. But so I'm hoping to get that video, you know, get some of those videos out. And then, uh, on my Facebook page is, is the same thing from the preacher. And, uh, you know, anybody, you know, I, I just, my email address is on there on my YouTube channel. You know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, um, I'm always looking for people to, Give me constructive cr- constructive criticism as well as you know uh, comment on things they'd like to see or whatnot. So
3: questions,
2: yeah. any of that thing. I I'm there to to try to be an encouragement. So I'd love to love to hear from anybody that's interested.
0: Um, sure. And then
2: my my brother actually, both of my younger brothers are really um, really good turkey hunters, and they they kill you know as many tags as they get. They probably kill. Wow. year Awesome. Um, every year, and uh, but my br- youngest brother James, he's he started a YouTube YouTube channel called High Pressure Outdoors. Okay. And uh, he gets you know he gets a lot of coyote hunting on there and turkey hunting and deer hunting. So small game, you know. So check him out if you get a chance. He's he's uh he's really got some good tips and stuff too. So especially guys just starting out, uh, check yeah. stuff out. And then, and then he makes his own. Um, decoys and i and i hunt with his decoys um too uh,
3: okay you know, he,
2: he does a really good job um you know he's very detailed and uh he's, he's just kind of starting out with it. his his decoy um brand name i guess is uh off the roost decoys so check him out off oh, the roost decoys the okay roost decoys.
3: cool
1: awesome um,
2: very cool stuff and, and he's always improving them too so everyone gets a little better but uh, yeah
1: Oh that's awesome.
0: Very yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh like we said, you know, if you if you're into that idea of learning how to build a bow or um I imagined if you uh floated the right paycheck towards uh Jesse, you might even be able to talk him into making you one. <laughs> but uh Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh you can find all that content on his YouTube channel. I've seen a little bit of it and like I said, um I'm actually really good friends with uh um jesse's brother-in-law which is kind of how i know jesse and and um of course you went to the same college actually as well and i uh, knew jesse there but um jesse's brother-in-law has one of his bows and man you want to talk about a true beautiful work of art and uh effective <laughs> as proven by yeah. uh jesse's track record and uh yeah uh, john even uh hunted with his bow went nice he, john's a first gen hunter he went out uh, this year with jesse and uh actually got a drawback and release an arrow didn't end up working out i guess but uh you know i know how that goes <laughs> and uh <laughs> i hope i think john got a i think john got enough of a enough of a taste of it that he'll he'll be back i think he'll be mm-hmm. uh, i yep. think he'll
2: be uh yeah I, heard, I sure hope so we had a blast hunting together and yeah uh the fact that he would take out one of my boats first time hunting was, was pretty uh i know I that was pretty pretty neat for me yeah. but yeah. I was I really excited
1: that. for him. And he's, and, and you know, like you said, that's a good word for it. Brave, just being willing to go out there and, and give it a try like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was re- that was really cool. But, but yeah, make sure you guys follow Jesse. Of course, as always, you'll find those links in the show notes on here. And, um, you know, what? I'm going to ask Jesse for uh, a good video to, uh, I'll probably go on his YouTube channel and find it actually that way I can direct some traffic his way, but I'll get that, uh, I'll get that, uh, video up on my social media page probably have to put it on well i might be able to share it on instagram i'll, I'll look and see how i can do that but um you'll want to check that out it's just really cool seeing how he does that but also uh, some excellent turkey advice in this one so again look up primitive preacher on youtube and on facebook and uh, again follow his uh his brother's page as well high pressure outdoors right high pressure outdoors jesse
2: yep yep, that's correct
1: yep give them a give them a look and uh, also uh, off the roost decoys might be uh, r- really w- worth your time if you don't have any decoys yet or want to improve your decoy uh, stock check out off the roost decoys mm-hmm. i know i will be and as yeah. always our good buddy there on the eastern seaboard mr brandon martin there with the hunt fish life go to their website thehuntfishlife.com, interact with them on facebook follow them on instagram uh and uh you know what you'll get to see videos like uh the gobbling turkey at sunrise (laughs) that was that was that was really cool and uh you know all, all sorts of other good positive stuff on there that helps build a stronger and more supportive hunting community and uh when you're done there head over to firstgenhunter.com. I um, have a relatively recent article up there. Of course, you find all the podcasts up there. And uh, summer is coming for me, people. So that means I will have more time to wade through all of my video content i'll get active on the youtube channel again hopefully going to uh totally revamp some stuff going into this next year with first gen hunter and uh have some more uh really cool stuff coming up here very soon with that as i get more time again i know i know i know i'm still working on the shop i'm getting closer <laughs> um did nice. some did some good stuff this week to get that uh lined up and ready to go so i just need to uh just need to put in those last couple hours to get the sales tax stuff wrapped up and launched and live and ready to roll. So be looking for okay. that here very soon. And uh, as always head up, head over and subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't yet on your respective service, we are on Stitcher now. So make sure you Android people uh, uh, know that because I know a lot of Android users like to use Stitcher. So give us a subscribe on there, rate us, you know, give us that, If if you're debating on what to give us, I I would strongly suggest a five-star rating. That would be that would be super helpful to us. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But more importantly, even than that, take care and take someone hunting.